Blog Talk Radio. Keeps coming down out of TNA, and uh, 
Hasn't been good news. Uh, interesting release. Jesse Sorensen um, gets released from TNA. Um, it's I find this intriguing, Dave, because you know you hear about cost cutting measures. You hear you know that they're 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 tightening their belts, so to speak. But a guy like Jesse Sorensen, I mean, how much money could that kid have been making? And and they they got to get rid of a salary that small. I it's it's troubling, Dave. Yeah, it's, this is this is probably the most sensitive um, release that the company has made in the past few weeks due to the severity of uh, you know Sorensen's status in TNA. Uh, you know, if you remember, he was involved in a match on pay per view with uh, Zima Ion, and uh, Zima Ion, uh, I, I believe, went for a moonsault, and his leg hit Sorensen in the top of the head, side of the head, and it you know, uh, tweaked his neck a little bit, and he was paralyzed for, you know, several minutes, if not longer. Um, there was a chance that the kid wasn't going to be able to walk, and, you know, by the grace of God, thank God, you know, Sorensen's been able to walk again, but unfortunately it cut his injuring career short, um, and TNA kept him on in a um, backstage production capacity working in the production department with, uh, I believe it was uh, Eric Bischoff and uh, Jason Harvey. I could be wrong, but... Um, What's, what I find interesting about this is, is, number one, you know, the kid wrestled in your ring and broke his neck. Um, and granted, yes, the job is, you know, very uh, – you, you take a risk every time you get in the ring, and that's in some ways you can say is a part of the job. Um, however, the person who, um, who, who essentially caused Sorensen's neck to be broken at the time and to cut his in-ring career short still has a job with the company. Um, it just kind of, to me, looks kind of ass backwards um, that, you know, the kid who broke the other kid's neck is still hired and still has a job. Who knows? Maybe he'll get released tomorrow after TNA listens to this because we know they listen to. Um, and they are big fans of us, of course. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't I don't get it. Um, I mean, what was, I mean, he was brand new. Like, I'd never heard of this kid before until he was on TNA. How much money were you throwing at him or giving him to, to, to wrestle? And considering he really wasn't on television much, I can't imagine what, what he was making. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that's that got to be the, the, the most sensitive one, at least. Um, unless there was a mutual you know parting of the ways between both parties and he wanted to move on. I mean, I don't know, but... It, I mean, I know that the Internet's going to be in an uproar about this because of, you know, the severity of his status in TNA and, you know, how he, you know, his in-ring career is uh, cut short. But, um, like they said, you know, the show must go on. And, uh, you know, I guess this is their way of, uh, you know, trimming the fat and trying to, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious how long these cuts are going to go for. And from what I understand, from what, I, what I've read, um, you know, before Thursday's impact, uh, Dixie Carter had a meeting with the talent, um, as well as Jeff Jarrett was in attendance. And Jeff Jarrett hasn't been at television tapings for months, from what I hear. Um, and she told them that, you know, the company's not in financial peril. Everything's fine. We're just trying to, you know, uh, cut some losses here and, 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 and gain some money or whatever. I mean, I don't know the exact words, but she basically tried to tell the talent that nothing's wrong, everything's fine. We're just, you know making some cuts where it's needed. Um, but she did warn them that there would be more on the way. So how many more? How many more people are going to get let go off the roster? I mean, it's going to get to the point where, you know, the WWE's main event program on Wednesday might feature all released TNA talent. They might have a new roster on Wednesday night. So um, I really don't know how far this is going to go, but I guess this is their way of uh, 
trying to uh, stay out of the negative, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, Dixie Carter, you know, telling talent that, you know, there's no problem, nothing's wrong. I mean, it's it's like Dixie's on the deck of the Titanic with a mop. You know, saying, no, it's just a little bit of water, just a little bit of water, Every, everything's okay, everything's okay, go back to your rooms. I mean, it, it's, there's trouble here. And, you know, the Jesse Sorensen thing, like, for me, and granted, I, I, I do not own a wrestling company, you know, maybe I'm not qualified to make these statements, but whatever. Who is? And I have a mic in front of me, so I'm going to say it. But, like, Jesse Sorensen would be a guy that he would be, like, last to fire. Like, he'd be real. Like, we need to keep him employed. He broke his neck on our watch. Let, you know, it's going to be real bad press to release this kid. Let's find a spot for him in the company. Let's Whatever it takes, whether it's it's road managing or creative or or setting up the ring whatever like let's keep this kid employed because you know severe injury on our watch and you know it, it's interesting like you said dave like how long are these releases going to go go for i mean what did jesse Sor- like you know they have the initial releases what did jesse Sorensen do between then and now that like now he's getting released like you would almost think why isn't just their big you know Right, one day they trim the fat. All the guys are planning on releasing. It all comes out in one day, and then they move forward with their their new trimmed down roster. Uh, it seems unusual how you know. All right, you think it's over. A couple of days go by, and then someone else released. A couple of days go by, someone else released. Now we hear Jesse Sorensen's getting released. It's it's weird how long it it, it drags out, and consequently, especially you know in the day of sports entertainment. In the day of the internet, in the the era of the dirt sheets, you know, a lot of information floating out there. You know, Twitter wrestlers are out there on Twitter. They're tweeting uh, their employment status. So, you know, it's all out there. Um, It's becoming, and we're guilty of it on this show as well. But fact of the matter is, right now, what everyone's talking about as far as TNA goes they're not talking about wrestling. They're not talking about storylines. They're not talking about the BFG series. They're talking about everything that's going on behind the scenes. And you just figure like it would be best for this company. Just be like, all right, here's the 10 we're releasing right now. Bam, done. And we get past this. But you just wonder like, how many more weeks, how many more days is, is this going to go on where every couple of days we're going to hear about someone else getting released. It's really difficult to focus on uh, the the on camera stuff with all the behind the scenes stuff being you know so compelling. Yeah, I mean it's almost it, to me it, it you know I'm just picturing it in my head. It's like they're sitting in the office and they're saying, okay, let's you know we need to cut somebody. We're not really using him you know properly, or we're not using him to the best of his abilities, and we don't have anything from him right now. So here we'll get rid of this guy, and then they look and they do the math, and it's like, okay, we got to get rid of somebody else. You know, and then they get rid. Oh nope, that's not enough. We got to get rid of somebody else. It's like they're, it's in, like I said on Sunday. It's in, it's almost like they're in panic mode, in some ways. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't work for them. You know, we don't work for them. Um, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it just comes off like that. It's like a new one. Like, you know, they they come to figure it out. They do the books. It's like, well, we're not where we want to be, so let's get rid of somebody else. And then a couple of days later, well, we're not there yet, so we got to cut somebody else. Oh, we're almost there. Maybe we'll cut somebody else. You know, I, just, I don't get it. Um, and, you know, I've said it before, you know, you, you, there's a reason 
and this goes for all wrestling companies. There's a reason why they hire certain talents, you know, because they think that they have some form of an ability to be presented on television. Well, if creative has got nothing for them, then what are they, you know, why, why aren't the writers getting fired? You know, that's your job, you know. I'm not saying that, like, every guy needs a spot on the show, but I will say this. You know, a lot of people bash him on the Internet. He's got a following that's not very positive. But when Vince Russo was writing for the WWF at the time, virtually that entire roster had a storyline. Between Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and Sunday Night Heat and all their syndicated shows, Every, I mean, their shows were loaded with talent. Now, sometimes it would be a little too much, but somebody was involved in something. I mean, you had, you know, Austin, DX, Foley, Undertaker, um, you know, the Big Show, Jericho, the Hardys, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, the Holly Cousins, the Acolytes, you know, Mae Young, Mark Henry, Funaki, and Kyant. I mean, you had every, like every, he, he used everybody for something on television. They had a spot on television and something that had some form of meeting, whether, you know, meaning whether it was, you know, of high importance or not. They were on television being used. You know, Russo tried to use everybody and, you know, as long as there was somebody on the payroll, Russo was using them. And sometimes it became a little overkill, but he was using them. And, you know, he has a proven track record of being around in, in a writing capacity with wrestling companies for a while. So you almost got to figure that, uh, you know, maybe some maybe some of those writers in TNA should kind of go with that Vince Russo policy and say, okay, well, here we go. We got these two guys, and we're not doing anything with them in a singles capacity. We do need to beef up our tag division, so why don't we put these two guys together? And then we'll take this guy, and he can be a manager or, a, you know, a confidant of so-and-so, and he'll get him on TV, and, you know, we'll see where we can go from there, you know? It's, I don't know, it just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't sit well for them. I'm not saying that they're going to be out of business in a year, a few years. We had this discussion on Sunday. I don't think that's going to happen. The, the, the company Panda Energy would have to go belly up for TNA to go out of business. And, you know, I don't think Panda's going belly up anytime soon. But I, I just I just don't know. I, I scratch my head because the company has got so much potential with the talent that they have on their roster. And, I mean, what are they, what are they going to do? Are they going to hire new talent? But they're just going to keep the guys that they have. You know, and Tony made a great point, um, you know, the other day about Rampage Jackson. And I, I know what they're, what they're thinking behind that is they're trying to get, you know, a crossover audience from MMA. To, and Rampage does have a following, you know. He's got his own fan base from being, you know, a big star in the UFC. But, you know, that's a short-term thing. You're not going to – I mean, are you going to have him wrestle? Is he going to, I mean, he's a part of the main event mafia storyline, but what happens when he has to go train for MMA? And Rampage at one point just said a few weeks ago, he was quoted as saying, I can't do both at the same time, so when my MMA career wraps up, then I'll go full-time with pro wrestling. So basically you signed a guy, gave him a bunch of money, and now he can't fulfill all the commitments that you want him to. So what do you got there? You got, you know, you're at a stalemate at that point. What are you going to do? You going to pay him and then wait, you know, a year or two down the line when he decides to walk away from the other sport that is his passion to 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 have him, you know, on wrestling. His his stock might drop at that point, and then he would just be like a regular guy in the roster. He wouldn't be any bigger, you know, because of his MMA appeal and his fan base that he has. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rampage Jackson. I mean, there is some star power. There's a couple things. Number one, does the guy own a suit? I mean, why, like, that's the one thing, you know, and it's those stupid little, like, creative things. Like, if he's in the main event mafia and the rest of them are all wearing suits, can he wear a suit as well? 
Like everyone else has got a suit on, he's got a T-shirt and a chain around his neck. Um, <laughs> the other thing that, like with Rampage Jackson, that I do find interesting, and I'd be curious to what our, you know, what our fans might think about this. But here's here's my question. And again, there's there's probably people a lot smarter than me that do these marketing uh, studies. But you you have your wrestling fans, okay? You have your MMA fans, and let's take those those fans that are like mutually exclusive, like guys who just watch wrestling, guys who just watch MMA. Then you have fans that will watch both. Okay, my feeling though on the on the mutually exclusive type fans, and those would be the fans that TNA would want to bring over, the fans that are not watching wrestling. I would think there'd be a huge percentage of MMA fans that don't watch wrestling. Because it's scripted. They watch MMA because that's actual fighting. And they don't watch wrestling because it's scripted. So I do find myself wondering, in the grand scheme of things, as much as there's star power bringing in a Rampage Jackson, are those MMA fans that are not watching wrestling currently going to run over to Thursday nights and make sure they watch Impact just because Rampage is is there. I mean, he's not even fighting. He's he's just on the show. I for me, thinking about it logically, I I don't know numbers wise if it'll wind up being worth it for TNA. I I don't know how many of those fans that don't watch already are going to run over to watch Impact just because Rampage happens to be there. So and like well, you said, it's, it's interesting that you bring that. It's interesting that you bring up that as far as numbers go, because I'm just reading right now on WrestlingNewsSource.com that Spike TV is pleased with Impact Wrestling's ratings. PWInsider.com is reporting that some of Spike TV's top executives were in attendance at last week's Impact Wrestling television tapings. Word is that Spike TV is not unhappy, but is actually pleased with the ratings that Impact Wrestling has been bringing in because they feel that the draw TNA does have helped the network's overall primetime average as well as allowing Spike TV to sell their stock in primetime advertising at a much higher rate. So, I mean, I guess you could say that's positive news from TNA. I mean, they're not not going anywhere anytime soon as far as the television deal goes. So, maybe these these cuts are warranted. I don't know. It's just, it's so all over the place and across the board, in my opinion, that with with how things have been portrayed to the to the wrestling media with some of the with some of the 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 releases and the things that they've been doing agreed and and I think my, one of the major concerns or at least problems and again perceptions reality and and the wrestling business goes and ebbs and flows and you know companies are up companies are down and and, and you see that all the time right now it's a bad time for, for Impact and TNA because the WWE is definitely on an upswing. Uh, the WWE is looking strong right now. Uh, the WWE has had a, a huge influx of young talent, uh, young new faces in the company that are, are making an immediate impact. Um, you know, the Wyatt family that is definitely, uh, you know, captured the attention of, of most wrestling fans and the, you know, it's one of those things like the the Wyatt family's been one of those uh those factions that, you know, I think top to bottom when you talk about kids and families and internet fans and older fans and 
every, every across every demographic, you know, people were into what what is the Wyatt family all about? What are they going to do? People were into those vignettes, and uh, you know, the same can be said for probably the hottest wrestler on the planet right now. You know, Daniel Bryan has has reached that stature where he is uh, across the board. He is uh, identifying with. Uh, every demographic right now and wrestling fans and that that you know it's tough for tna to compete when you're already in the hole i mean it's already david and goliath with the two companies and uh you know we've heard before we're not competing with the wwe we're just uh an alternative fine but you know if you're having issues it's just the spotlight is that much brighter on you when the other company is doing so well and and wwe right now things are working uh SummerSlam is is shaping up and uh maybe not a, a stellar raw last night but uh you know it was definitely a, a a very good raw i thought it was a good raw um you know and, and daniel bryan was a, a major major factor last night dave yeah i mean the you know i said you know the uh the other night about in regards to chris saban and his title win and people love the underdog story and, you know, the, the story basically started out as Daniel Bryan feeling he's an underdog, but the audience and everyone else disagrees with him and feels that, you know, he's the real deal. But now it's turned into, you know, management and, you know, Brad Maddox and Vince McMahon. And, you know, last night, I mean, he was on television for a three-hour broadcast, and granted there are commercials. Daniel Bryan was on for at least 50, 55 minutes, if not a little longer. You know, between the opening segment, which which ran about, you know, 10, 15 minutes or so with John Cena, to his backstage vignette, to the 40 minutes of wrestling that he had with three matches in that gauntlet match, and to close out the show, you mean to tell me that they, they're going to put a guy on television on a three-hour show and take up at least a third of that show with him, and they don't have big plans for him? I mean... I, it validates my point that I made on Sunday that he's the next face of that company. I think they're starting to realize that, you know, you're right, Ken, they are phasing out John Cena. You know, he's not, you know, completely out of the picture, but, you know, Cena will be around for a few more years, but Brian is the guy that they're looking to to carry the flag when it's time for Cena to officially walk away, in my opinion. I mean, he's been, you know... He's been in multiple segments for, for at least two months on television between Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, mainly Raw because it's a, a longer show. He's been in multiple segments. John Cena, when he was the focal point, was in multiple segments. Now Cena's maybe averaging one or two segments a show. And Brian is the hot thing right now. Brian is the hottest wrestler in the business, period. And WWE, I think, is starting to realize that he doesn't need a million-dollar smile and the all-American, white-meat, baby-faced, good-looking guy kind of look to get over with the audience. The audience, his, his, his character and his in-ring ability is getting over with the audience 100%. And I think they're starting to realize that, you know, they got to strike while the iron's hot. This could be the guy. And, you know, maybe we will see the likes of a Daniel Bryan, you know, on talk shows and doing television appearances and commercials and all the other stuff. You know, he's got some different look about him, but it's getting over. And it just validates my point, you know, that the smaller guys do have a place at the top of the card. You know, it, 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 it's a point that's been validated for years, even going back to after Hulk Hogan left the WWF 
and they were in a state of flux. They went with guys like Bret Hart. They went with guys like Shawn Michaels. They went with guys like Owen Hart. You know, and then later on they had Steve Austin, who is not a big guy. He's a he's an average sized guy if you look you know if you look at him. You know, the smaller guys are working, and I, I think we're seeing a changing of the guard. And I, I truly believe I think this would really work out well if they did Punk and Bryan main event WrestleMania 30, and you see that changing of the guard. With, you know, with two wrestlers, and they're not larger than life, big, you know, muscle-bound guys. Main eventing the biggest pay-per-view of the year, you know, the 30th anniversary of the of the pay-per-view that of the show that basically helped put your company on the map and bring them to where they are today. And then going forward, you see like the Daniel Bryan's and the CM Punks of of, of the WWE leading the wrestling industry. You know, I mean, we've seen it in TNA in some ways with Austin Aries and. And and now, you know, it looks like they're going to push Chris Saban even further with him being world champion. I mean, I think we're seeing a real changing in the guard in wrestling where maybe they're starting to listen to the audience and, and realize that, you know, this is what they want to see. we gotta, we got to bring it to them. You know, I mean, I just got to say, though, I mean, you know, like you're bringing it up. I, I mean, a third of the show, a third of the show last night dedicated to Super Brian. I mean, geez, enough is enough. Multiple segments. I mean, do I have to look at this bearded flying goat multiple times when I'm watching Monday Night Raw? I mean, and let's let's face it. I mean, at the end, the gauntlet, Super Brian is able to defeat three guys who are like twice, three times his size. He takes 173 uppercuts from Cesaro, but of course... Super Brian's able to kick out. So, you know, I mean, what face of the company, of course, is going to be the face of the company because everyone loves Daniel Bryan. The WWE is just going to jam him down their throats, whether we like him or not. And not to mention the stupid yes chance. I mean, what's, what's his promo? His promo skills, he just comes down and he yells yes. He yells yes. That's what he does. And we have to see that. Over and over and over again because the WWE is pushing him on us because he's going to be the face of the company. Whether we like it or not, now we're going to have to sit through Monday Night Raws when a third of the programming is going to be dedicated to Super Brian kicking out of everybody's finishers, no selling his way to the top. Well, that's just great, WWE Thanks so much for jamming Super Brian down our throats. Huh. I've heard that before. Really? Where, where have I heard that before? <laughs> so are you on the Daniel Bryan bandwagon? Or are you thinking they're giving us Super Brian now? Three four seven eight three nine eight one five is the number to call. We're going to go out to the phones now because we got Tony on the line. How you doing, Tony? What's going on tonight? All right. Uh, really shocked that that. Uh, where's the heat on Daniel Bryan? <laughs> I kid, I kid. Oh my God! Yeah, okay. I don't know because I was going to say, you know, last night. Yeah, it was definitely. It was a great show. It was all about. I mean, it was definitely all all about Daniel Bryan. I thought his um match, the match he had with Cesaro, was really was was the best one, and um, you know because. Because, you know, that's just Daniel Bryan, but Cesaro, too. I mean, you know, it's like they let him really go, too. You know, they they let the two of them go and really have an awesome kick-ass match there. You know, you know the 
and and you know it's like you know they should you know push Cesaro better too you know because it's like I think this is the best he's ever he's he's looked since since uh, WWE brought him in. Um, it, it, but, it's yeah. interesting with with Cesaro because I do I, I agree with you and and he seems like and and it's funny because it may have been where Daniel Bryan was a little while ago but. You almost get that sense with Cesaro that they they just don't know exactly what to do with him. But yeah, it was a tremendous matchup, and I I'm a big Cesaro fan and, and really want to see uh, him move up the ladder. But uh, creatively speaking, I mean, it's interesting what they're doing with uh, Zeb and uh, Swagger and, and Cesaro being in the mix there. Uh, personally, I would have loved to have seen Heyman. Manage Cesaro as much as I'm. I'm curious to see where the Zeb thing would would go. If if I had my druthers, I think I would have preferred to see what Heyman could have done with a Cesaro. But uh, that that guy's got got all the talent in the world, and it's just a question of creatively uh, they they find a niche for him somewhere. Oh uh, yeah, I mean hopefully they do find the like say they do find the niche. I mean he was the you know like he had created the belt as a media thing, but he had the U.S. title that came out, you know, the whole United States of Antonio bit gimmick, but, uh, you know, I don't know, I, like, putting him with Swagger and, you know, Zeb Coulter, I gotta say, I, that's another gimmick that's really, that, that the whole thing is getting stale. The whole, you know, Zeb Coulter's uh, rant on, uh, I don't even know, I don't even know what, what they're having to do anymore. <laughs> well, it's weird, because they're not, they're not going anywhere with it, and I and I love Coulter, and I, and I think it, it was, you know, something great, and it was something that Swagger desperately needed to kind of give him just some sort of direction. But, you know, when, when they were rivaling uh, uh, Del Rio, it, it made sense. You know, it was, you know, playing up the whole Del Rio being an illegal alien and uh, not being from this country. And, you know, the whole thing kind of in the con- in that context, it, it made sense. Now it's just kind of... It's kind of floating out there a little bit, and uh, they need to find something uh, for this faction to really sink their teeth into. Yeah, they do, and I have no idea what that'll be. I mean, yeah, now with the real being as a heel again, you know, it's you know, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't see them doing uh, something. I mean, I don't know, Sin Cara or whatever, but you know, since he's not really a main guy, but you know. but as far as the rest of the show, I, I thought most of it was was really, um, you know, it was a fun show. You know, I love this uh, CM Punk promo, you know, for, to set up to, uh, for the uh, match with him and Brock Lesnar, SummerSlam, you know, and then the Heyman showing up on the Titan front, and then Punk saying, you know, I was like, are you really, is this really be, be by satellite and all that stuff? I thought they did a great job. Even, you know, like Cena, he, he I, the fans were actually cheering him because he came to Daniel Bryan's, you know, he came, he, he came to his aid when right back, after right back, you know, uh, powerbomb them through the table. That, that, and, you know, that is a great point you bring up because I caught that last night too where, you know, usually when you're watching WWE programming, it's, you know, you hear the, let's go Cena. Cena sucks. And it's, it's obvious that it's, you know, women and kids and then the, the guys. And last night, all of a sudden, you just heard Cena, Cena. Like, oh, oh my God, the, the men are actually chanting for Cena because he's coming to the aid of Daniel Bryan. So, yeah, and he got kind of a pop when he ran out. So that was, uh, yeah, I mean, there's really no no bounds right now to how over Daniel Bryan is and uh, to the point of getting uh, probably a bunch of Cena haters to kind of pop when Cena came out. I, I want to get back to, you know, you bring it up, and I thought the promo was, was really good with uh, Punk and, and Heyman. Man, how good is Paul Heyman? I, you know, I just, 
even as good as like CM, and CM Punk is great on the mic. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and watching that promo, and I'm thinking, wow. And and Heyman's just he's outdoing Punk. I mean, he's just he's so good at at building things and 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 using that that smarmy just gross character. I just, I, I I think Heyman is just tremendous, and it was kind of a cool. Uh, Segment right there, getting ready for uh, Brock versus Punk at SummerSlam. It was, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, yeah, those guys are both great promos. But you know, yeah, like I said, I mean, Heyman has always been one of the, one of the best promo guys around. You know, he's, you know, like I mean, he's he's just got that ability to, uh, you know, just that ability to speak, you know, on that you know, and uh, you know, get stuff over and all that, and everything, and it's you know, even you know, it's like I just you know, like the line about you know, like how punk, you know, the whole the best versus the beast thing, and then you know, it's like, and then Heyman saying, you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like, oh well, we all you know, we know that it's SummerSlam, the beast, the best is the beast. I mean, you know, I I thought that was I thought that was you know some some great stuff there from from both of them. Yeah, it's just in the it's the way Heyman delivers his lines, and the thing with Heyman. Is yeah, you're right. He's always been great, but what I admire about Heyman is, I I just I I believe that he is just a a student of his craft, and I, I think he's getting better. I think he continues to improve over time and continues to cut better and better promos, and uh, I, I admire that out of Heyman. That you know he's a guy that probably could rest on his laurels, and I just I feel like he's continuing to improve and I, I just I thought it was a really cool segment between the two of them and uh you know when he said you know the best is the beast uh you know it's it's just good stuff it, it's really good stuff and uh looking forward to that before I let you go Tony with all this setup going on um just your thoughts like it, it are you excited uh for the SummerSlam season you think it's going to be a a good event I guess after the well, with the two matches they've announced and the the, the build uh, that they started for last night, yeah, this looks like to be this looks like to be a could be a real good one. You know, and, you know, Cena and Daniel Bryan should be should be a good match. You know, I mean, I would love to see Daniel Bryan, you know, put the belt on him, and um, you know, I'm guessing that CM Punk will go over Lesnar since you know Lesnar's not you know since Lesnar's a part timer, but um, you know, the idea of you know, I like the idea of the two of them being Bryan and Punk being. Main eventing WrestleMania 30, like you mentioned before, that would be really, you know, it's like that would really be awesome, you know, just to like to strip the show, you know, it's like you got the two guys who were from Ring of Honor who weren't really, you know, really uh, given a second look pretty much until you know, like Payment or in Punk's case, you know, um, you know they, you know, kept going up the platform and they finally were like, all right, yeah, let's all right, let's use this guy, and then. um you know, even the same with Daniel Bryan. You know, after a while, you know, he got his character or whatever, and then he, you know, now he's gotten over. And it's like to see the two, if if the two of them made event WrestleMania, and if, I mean, I don't know if it'll, I, mean, I, I, it might be a long shot, but if they made event WrestleMania for the WWE title, you know, with Dan, you know, Daniel Bryan as a champion, and then seeing Punk wins it back, you know, like like he's, you know, it's like he's, you know, it's just you know, he's always talking, you know, he talks about you know, like chasing for the title all, you know, like for months and months and then he finally you know it's like he wins the rumble he's going for says he's going for the WWE title and he's you know it's like it's going to be him and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania and you have Punk win and you close out WrestleMania 30 with you know Punk as the champion 
Yeah, Woody, you know, if, if they headline WrestleMania, I, I want to see uh, Daniel Bryan versus CM Punk in an Iron Man match to main event WrestleMania. That's that's what I want to see. Tony, as always, thanks thanks a lot for the call. Check out thekenreedyshow.com. Tony blogs for us each and every week. Raw, SmackDown, Impact. Thanks a lot for giving us a call, Tony. We'll talk to you Sunday. Yep. Take it easy, man. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. Like, And it's cool being excited about wrestling because uh, this is not the first show. We've, we've uh, mentioned WrestleMania. We obviously are mentioning SummerSlam coming up, uh, and it's an exciting time. Uh, you know, things are going really in a positive direction right now with the WWE, and we're, uh, we're seeing uh, different faces, uh, different looks to, to our stars. And, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see how, how things will unfold going forward because uh, it does seem like we are kind of in a, a changing of the guard kind of uh, feel in the WWE. But what's amazing is that, you know, you think about what changing of the guard would, would entail, and you would almost think that, you know, in the state of in a state of flux as you're kind of starting to phase out old stars and, and bring in new stars, that you would almost expect a lull uh as as new stars uh try to establish themselves, try to get over, try to build uh, new characters and uh that is not the case in two thousand thirteen. These new faces are are very talented, they're getting over and they're getting over in a hurry and uh you know, a lot of athleticism, a lot of uh, great new talent to, to sink your teeth into, and uh, the landscape is definitely changing, Dave. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's so many there's so much new talent out there that you know it's almost like the audience is forced to get you know invested into that person's character. But I do want to make a point, you know, comment on the point you made about Paul Heyman and his and his and his promo skills. And I totally agree with you. He is a great mic man. He's he's definitely great on the mic. But I think what really helps with his with his microphone skills, and especially when he's involved in a storyline, especially lately since he's been back in the past year, is the fact that he has behind the scenes history with both Brock Lesnar and with CM Punk. And when it's real, and when you know you 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 have a friendship with these guys. It makes it it makes it a lot easier for you to go out there and do your job as opposed to if they were to have a guy like a Paul Heyman and let's just say he were to be managing just for argument's sake uh, an Antonio Cesaro and they were feuding with just for argument's sake you know a John Cena you know it, you would have to come up with something as a you know to to get the audience invested into it. and I think they you know with Heyman in that in in, in a role like that. It, it would it would be some good stuff, but because there is a natural history behind the scenes with Heyman and Punk, and you know how Punk got into the WWE because of Heyman, and of course Heyman's friendship with Brock Lesnar, that it just comes naturally and it makes it easier, and and you have you have more creative freedom with 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 with, with you know those three elements together in a storyline and they all work well with each other because they do have a friendship you know Heyman has a friendship with both individuals behind the scenes so you know I think it helps that there's a there's a backstory and a history with these guys that makes Paul Heyman's mic work recently to to be so well but going back to the talent you know with all the new influx of talent the new faces that are you know that are on television, you know, like I said, I think it's forcing the audience to get involved, you know, and invested into these characters. And, you know, 
when it helps that some of these ideas are fresh and new, like the Shield and like the Wyatt family and you know Daniel Bryan and the Damian Sandows of the of the, of the world. You know, it's 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 a breath of fresh air for a lot of wrestling fans who, you know, at one point I wouldn't say they lost hope, but you know, they would watch wrestling because it's wrestling, but they really didn't have any interest in it. Now there's more than just one character out there that's really getting the audience, you know, uh, at least for the WWE, um, invested in their product, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, let's, you know, I don't want to compare eras, but if you remember the Attitude Era, you know, there were a lot of new characters that came on the scene at the same time. You had the Mr. McMahon character, the rise of Steve Austin, the Rock coming into his own, DX, you know, the, the, the Mankind, you had the darker version of The Undertaker, but then you had the mid-card talent, like you saw the Hardys and Edge and Christian, the Dudleys come in, you know, into their own, and, and, and you know, Chris Jericho and the Big Show coming over from WCW, and all at a relatively, you know, in a year's time, like all these these elements, these characters kind of came together, and it just worked. And I think the timing is working out really well with a lot of these new characters coming onto the scene at the same time, and it's fresh, and it's exciting, and the people are into it. Yeah, and I think, and I think you know, some of the writing, they've simplified some of the things. I mean, even as like a mid-card storyline right now, um, you know, I love what they're doing with Sandow and Rhodes. You know, and, it, and it's simple. Set two guys up as being the best of friends, and then split them apart, similar to what they did with with Heyman and Punk. It, it's it's simple storytelling, you know. Have two guys love each other, then turn that absolute that that bond of friendship and completely flip the script and have them hate each other that much. And that's uh, you know, it, it's using these new faces and and simplifying the storylines. It's just uh, working. I mean, it, it's funny because we talk about. Cena and Daniel Bryan and, uh, you know, the Shield and the Wyatts a lot. But, you know, I'm excited to see what, what Rhodes and Sandow are going to do. I'm excited to see how this program plays itself out. So it's, you know, it, there's a lot of different programs out there that uh, are exciting to watch just to, you know, makes for compelling television. And like we had said a while back, what they have finally done is really, even on a mediocre night, they make the three hours of Raw passable because you have so many storylines going on that much like when you said with Russo, you know, Russo would have most of the guys on the roster involved with something. You know, guys have something. Guys have storylines to sink their teeth into. That you can you're not waiting the whole night for, for your champ to come out at the end of the night and everything else is just kind of filler. There's there's multiple storylines going on that are making this a, a very enjoyable three hours. Now, some are better than others, but uh, I think they've kind of hit the nail on the head as far as the formula goes, you know, having a bunch of different storylines going so the three hours uh, at least at minimum passes. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We're going to go back out to the phones. So you got Mike on the line. Mike, are you there? Hey, what's going on tonight, Ken? I heard your rant, your rant about uh, Super Brian. My God, you pulled like a Mike Ferrara rant over on Ryback. <laughs> yeah, a little I mean, tongue come in on, cheek, Ken, but... really? What? I said, come on, Ken, really? Is he really that bad? I don't think so. I think Brian I think Brian Daniel Bryan's great. He but, is great. I, mean, I, uh, I, I, I may I have been joking. Wanna, I, I see you don't want to force anybody down their throat and don't the Steve Austin fans start getting on me. Steve Austin used to come out, that glass used to break 
every segment on Monday Night Raw in the in the era Attitude Era, he would come out, he would he would do stupid moronic things, and he was over. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, all he had to do was go out there and say "ho," and the crowd loved him. I mean, so yes, yes, yes. What started as like a you know a nightmare to Daniel Bryan turned into something. So, and, good point. Go ahead. No, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, you're right. Stone Cold uh, didn't have to do much, especially later on once it once he was over. I mean, as soon as the uh, that glass hit, you know, the, the the crowd popped and it popped huge. Uh, and, and look at how he got over wrestling Bret the Hitman Hart. You know, him and Bret Hart had had some great wrestling matches, and that's how it started with uh, Bret Hart. The second point is Ryback. Now. WWE has a WWE has a bully. Um, what do you call? It? They have this bully be a star. Okay, now Ryback's being a bully. I don't think it's right. You know, it's an interesting point because they they did you know commentating wise they did make it a point to you know say that when he was when he was beaten on uh, Jericho they kept saying he's just being a bully he's just being a bully and. Uh, yeah, that kind of struck me. I'm wondering if they're going to, I don't know where they're going to go with that. If that was just just happenstance and it just happened to be the uh, the word they they used that that night. But uh, yeah, they're kind of. It's. I mean, I don't know. You know, we talk about all the good stuff that's going on in the WWE. I think you know, you know Ryback is one of the the bad things going on. Uh, mm. I, I don't think they really know exactly what to do with him right now, and. Uh, so next week we're going to see uh, Ryback versus Cena in a tables match. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I guess it'll be fun to see someone go through a table. I, I would be shocked, floored if uh, Ryback wins. So uh, I have an idea what to do with Ryback, though. But oh, I, here we go. Go ahead. You're fire, fire him, Vince. <laughs> When I go to Connecticut soon, I gotta go speak to Vince, and we're gonna hash it out. Maybe I'll talk to Vince, maybe, and we'll talk about getting rid of Ryback. I can't stand, uh, I can't stand Ryback. But the other, the other thing that I, I'm ready for is SummerSlam, and I think I don't know. I mean, last night the Usos came out to help Mark Henry, and doing that, maybe the Usos. I was thinking maybe a six-man tag, but maybe not. Maybe have. Um, the U.S. title on the line with Mark Henry, um, and then set something up with the Usos versus the Shield for the tag team championship. But Dave, what is your thought about Ryback and and that as well? Um, as far as Ryback goes, I mean, I think they don't have a clear cut idea what they want to do with him. However, um, you know, as far as them dropping the the, the word bully out there, and in, in, in regards to Ryback. And talking about average-sized guys, I think it's going to lead to one of two things. I think it's going to lead to eventually down the road, you know, he's going to have a a match and a storyline with Rey Mysterio because Rey Mysterio is the ultimate underdog. He's a shorter guy. Ryback can toss him around and get a ton of heat. But I think in the short term, I think it's going to lead to the return of the Big Show, and we might see a babyface Big Show go up against Ryback and say, I'm not your average guy. Let's see if you could bully me around. And maybe you see the two of them at SummerSlam. The word was they were supposed to debut last night, or not debut, but return, and they have a storyline set in place for SummerSlam. I don't know if it was going to be with Ryback, but 
Um, there's talk that, you know, they're taping next week's episode of Monday Night Raw tomorrow night because they're going on an overseas tour. Then there's talk of having the big show return at tonight's tapings um, and set up his storyline for SummerSlam. So maybe they do something with Big Show and Ryback at SummerSlam and Big Show's, you know, the, the, the giant hero coming to save the average guy from the bully Ryback. And as far as the, the, the Shield thing goes, um, I wouldn't do separate matches. I would do another six-man tag at SummerSlam, but I'd make it a little bit intriguing. I'd, I'd do Mark Henry and the Usos in a six-man tag against the Shield, but I'd have the Shield put the United States title and the tag team titles on the line in a winner-take-all six-man tag match. Make the, make all the title, put defend all the titles in one match, and you know show the unity of the Shield like you have in the past, but make it a bigger match because all the championships are on the line. Well, that was that was that was good. Thank you, Dave. You definitely summed it up. Um, no, you could do that. I mean, that's that's one possible um, direction if that if that's the way WWE would go with it. I mean, that would be a pretty cool concept. I mean, I've seen matches like that before. Um, you know, I mean, it looks it sounds good on paper, but just don't then don't have the Wyatts in a six man tag. Well, the rumor is that they want to do Kane and Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam in a one-on-one match, so I don't think we'll see a six-man tag out of them. Um, well, maybe, just get, maybe, get Luke, maybe let Luke Harper and them interfere, which is probably going to happen. Um, but, and the other disturbing thing that happened to me today, well, yesterday, was I got uh, on another wrestling book. It was horrible. It was, uh, it was Mike uh, Kirshner. Yeah, what a colorful Kirshner. It was uh, called uh, Wrestle This, Corporal Punishment. It stunk because as I'm, re- as I'm reading it, I realized that it wasn't written by him. It was written by his mom, and it wasn't about his career in the WWE. It was about a fictional character that's based on him. <laughs> seriously? So, I know, isn't it? Yeah, seriously. So I wasted my money. What, what like, intrigued you enough to pick up a... a... Even if it was an autobiography that made you think, I-, I need to know the life and times of Corporal Kirshner. Because, you know, when I was a kid, I remember the match he had at WrestleMania 2 with um, with um, Nikolai Volkov. And I and I like Kirshner. And then growing up um, and watching, like, you know, getting DVDs from Japan, I used to see, you know, Super Leatherface and all that, and I, I liked it. So, But I figured he had some good stories. You know, and I, but uh, but the next book I picked up today, I got it today. It came in the mail. Uh, Pure Dynamite. I read that book already. I wanted it back in my collection. I have it. Great book. Um, fans out there that never read Dynamite Kids book, another another book. And then I bought a Nikita Koloff book, and uh, stuff like that. But yeah, it was. I know Corporal Kirshner. I don't know what I was thinking, but maybe I went wrestling <laughs> over. Well, maybe I went wrestling overboard. Yeah, he was Kirshner was one of those guys that I, I remember the vignettes like leading up to his debut, right? And I, he kind of like thought he was going to be a bigger, a real bigger deal than than he was. Like I remember seeing him like, you know, crawling on his belly like through the woods with a knife in his hand, and it was like you know Corporal Kirshner is coming, and it was. Right. And then, then it just, it, I don't know, he just never really blew up like uh, we may have thought in WWE. I read the yeah. Jimmy Snooker book, and I read the Animals, George the Animal Steel book. I read both of those books. And Jimmy Snooker, great book, great read. 
he talks about a lot of independent wrestlers that he likes and then who he trained. Um, he talks about Buddy Rogers and how he had to, like, watch Buddy Rogers and uh, that he couldn't trust Buddy Rogers. Um, and Buddy Rogers, he said, if you watch, he said, if you watch in the show, you see Buddy Rogers walking down the, the ring with me when I wrestled Bob Backlund. I didn't even ask him to be my manager, he said, in the book. So if you wrestling fans out there want a book, Jimmy Snooker's book and George Animal Steel's book was great. Uh, come on, the guy was a teacher by day, wrestler by night. Uh, you know, George Animal Steel, you know, that's another thing. You know, a lot of people might not even pick that book up, but you know what? I'm a wrestling fan. I have a big collection. I ordered so many wrestling books offline. It's it's it, it they just come into my house and they're coming out. They're just hopefully going to be really good. But guys, I will speak to you on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to this week of wrestling. I can't wait. Sounds thank good, Mike. Thanks a lot for the call. Time. Talk to you soon. Oh, thank you for my time, and I'll speak to you guys soon. Take care, cool. Dave. Have a nice Dave. week. You too, Mike. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, man, you never know. I mean, some of these these conversations we get into, you know, we're talking TNA, WWE, SummerSlam, and then, whoa, a Corporal Kirshner conversation breaks out. (laughs) You just never know. Do you you remember, did you ever see those, Dave? Because I think it's a little bit before your time, but... uh, I, I, I've not I've not seen them, but I've heard that like they were basically you know uh, designed to to be a takeoff of when the Rambo movie series was coming out with Sylvester Stallone. They were trying to capitalize on that by the style of the vignettes. But I had not seen him. The first time I ever saw him was actually in his match at WrestleMania two, and then I don't remember seeing him shortly thereafter. Um, but from what I've read online and you know urban myths and stories, um, you know. His, his, the reason why he got the job that he did with the WWE is because at the time, Sergeant Slaughter had left the company and they still wanted that to portray that, you know, American hero um, facing off against, you know, the foreign heels like Nikolai Volkov or the Iron Sheik. Um, but then I heard another story too recently, and I think I even mentioned on the show about uh, how he clocked Vince McMahon or something over some disagreement that they had, and he had never been, he's been basically blackballed from uh, American, you know, from the American wrestling scene, and that's why he was over in Japan for uh, the rest of his career. Well, you can't punch the boss. I mean, that goes without saying. So, uh, the instant, I mean, it was kind of, because it was a big deal. The, the vignettes were very, like, Rambo-esque. Um, but yeah, never really panned out to be as as big a star as one might think. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. Whatever you want to talk about in the world of professional wrestling, give us a call. We will discuss. So right now on the line, we got Justin. Justin, are you there? Hi, can I miss you? Miss you too. How you doing, buddy? Good. Did you Did you watch Monday Night Raw last night? A little bit. What what do you what are you thinking? You know, we haven't talked in a while. What are your thoughts on on Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan's going to be main eventing SummerSlam against John Cena. Wrestles the Gauntlet last night. I mean, what what are your thoughts on everything going on with Daniel Bryan right now? He's, you know, he's uh, he's a reference. He doesn't be quiet. You know. <laughs> he said he needs to be quiet. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe so. Maybe he is yelling a bit too much. Maybe he should just quiet it down a little bit. Um, what did you think of his matches last night? It was horrible. Really? 
<laughs> wow, some Daniel Bryan criticism. Why did why didn't you <laughs> why why didn't you like Daniel Bryan's matches? You know, Bryan he says he the fans are booing him. That's not that's not good either. You think that I, I think that I, you might be kind of misinterpreting the sound coming out of the crowd. I think they're actually cheering him. I could be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time, but I do think that they're actually cheering for him. But you're you're not a big fan. Well, I'm not. Interesting. Who do you who do you like right now? You know, when you watch Raw, I mean, Cena, CM Punk, Brock Lesnar. I mean, who who are you liking right now on Raw? I like my 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 favorite pal. Who's who's your fair pal? Edge. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're gonna go there. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. Uh, yeah. I, again, like, I know Edge is is retired from uh, uh, you know, active duty, but wouldn't mind seeing him in some sort of uh, GM role or even managerial role, perhaps. Maybe a yeah, maybe he could help like a young tag team too. I mean, he he was a tag team specialist for a little while. I think. What do you think if Edge came back as a manager, Justin? He'll be he'll be great. You think he'd be good, a good manager? Oh yeah. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I mean, he was a, definitely a decent talker. I think he could help out a uh, a lot of the young tag teams. Anybody else you, you're liking on on Raw these days? I like the Divas. You like the deals, you know? They have that new show coming out on E. Uh, are you going to be following yeah. the show? Are you going to be watching the uh, the Bellas and the the new divas and Natalia and everyone kind of getting catty with each other? Are you looking forward to uh, that on Me TV? Not Me. Yeah. Not me are TV. you serious? TV. Are you serious? Yeah, totally divas. You haven't heard? You had to have heard about totally divas. I love it. Are you going to be watching it? Oh yeah, Ken. Wow, we're gonna have to have a segment on the show, Totally Divas with Justin. Thank you, boy. Like, are they Total Divas? Oh yeah. What's the name of the show, Dave? Uh, it's Total Divas. Total Divas, not totally. Total Divas. So Total Divas on on E. So we'll do Total Divas with Justin. If you're gonna watch the show, you can give us a Total Divas. And you know what, Ken? You know what? what? You and Dave are like. I like I like um, different different kinds of people. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> we are. I think we all are, Justin. We're we're just kind of different kinds of people. That's why we all get along really well on the show. What about the, uh, what about the MMA company? You know that. What about MMA? What, what about the MMA uh, pro wrestling? Huh. Uh, well, I mean, Rampage Jackson came over from uh, MMA to uh, to TNA. You think that's a good move? Oh yeah. You think it'll it'll kind of build TNA's audience a little bit? I hope so. Good stuff, Justin. Justin, thanks. Thank you so much for the call, and uh, hopefully, give us a call on Sunday. We'll we'll talk some more about wrestling, and uh, maybe talk a little bit about the divas. Can I miss you, man? You're my favorite guy. Thanks. I appreciate it, Justin. Thank you so much for the call. We'll, we'll talk to you real soon, all right? All right, Ken. And tell Dave, he, 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 he should be my manager, too. He should be a manager, too? Yeah. All right, there you have it, Dave. He should be a manager. <laughs>
Who should I manage? Uh, me and Ken. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, there we go. That's the new tag team. You and me team, team JK. Are you, are you serious? That's a good name. I'm no, just, he's not. I'm just, Is it JK? I'm just JK and you guys. That's okay. <laughs> all right, Justin, thanks for the call. We'll talk to you Sunday. All right, Ken. Easy, buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you. And Justin's there. Hey. Happy times with Justin. A little all over the place, but uh, interesting stuff. The the Divas show coming up shortly on on entertainment television. Um, interesting stuff. Dave, are you going to watch the Divas show? I'd rather pass a kidney stone than watch the Divas show. <laughs> doesn't it like actually doesn't it bother you that like the, the rumblings that you're hearing that uh. You know, Cena and Bryant, like, some of that storyline may spill over into Total Divas, which kind of makes you almost like you kind of have to watch. You're going to want to at least find out what happened on the show. Like, I I have no desire to watch it either, but when I heard that, I'm like, are you really going to force me to sit and watch this show? I mean, from from what I'm hearing, I guess they are going to implement the girls into this storyline heading into SummerSlam. Um, I mean, they filmed... You know, you know, Cena with one of them and Brian with the other, and um, you know, they, I think that they are gonna. Somebody put put a put a post online on Facebook uh, that the WWE would be smart to have a Bella in each corner and and and, and uh, create some tension between the two. I mean, what are they gonna do for the match? Seriously, like, like you're gonna go on a rant? Guess what? I'm going on one now. What are these bitches gonna do <laughs> to, to help this match? Like, seriously, you're going to have them both be special outside enforcers? They're going to have matching twin referee shirts? Yay! Big friggin' deal! Like, I don't I don't see any appeal in it. And one of them just got in trouble last night because her nipple was hanging out on TV, which I missed. <laughs> and my goddamn DVR doesn't work properly, so I couldn't even go back. It's the one that doesn't even have poop, so what's the difference anyways? You know, I don't... Person. I don't want them on my TV involved in the biggest match in summers, you know, in, in recent memory between Daniel Bryan and John Cena. Unless one of them screws the other one over and then they break up in real life, then I'll give a shit. Until then, I don't want them on my friggin' TV. Yeah, and it's, it's all it's a really good point. I mean, look, you you put someone in someone else's corner to to enhance something. If a match you know, maybe doesn't have the, the fire or the drama that it needs, and you throw someone in the corner. I mean, you got Daniel Bryan, who's the, the hottest thing on the planet right now, versus John Cena, who's the WWE champion. The, the idea of, like, diluting that by putting a Bella twin in each corner makes absolutely no sense. I, I mean, if you want to during that match... You know, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt. You know what's going to happen during that match? Total Divas on E is going to be trending, not the WWE Championship match. That's all they're going to talk about. Michael Coldwell now trending. Total Divas on E. Meanwhile, Daniel Bryan's probably got John Cena in the lapel lock or whatever he calls that move, and they're going to take away from the match. No, don't put those bitches up. They can sit in the freaking skybox and eat popcorn for all I care during that match, but don't get them anywhere near ringside whatsoever. Yeah, you know, and that's a good point, honestly. Like that might even work better. Ha- have them have them in a skybox. Maybe you have one or two camera shots of them. You know, like maybe one right before the match, one during the match, and then one a- as the match ends, where like, you know, each Bella is rooting for their guy, and 
you know, they're they're looking nervous watching on and, and that's it and that's like the level of their involvement. But I, I totally agree with you. There's no reason for those two to be at, at ringside. So many interesting things going on in, in the world of pro wrestling and none more interesting, you know, when it comes to wrestling, I guess this kind of falls into the never say never again category. Who knew we'd be hearing from this guy again? classic library of ultimate warrior promos you can watch that promo and you know what watch it a couple times do a shot every time he says perfect you'll be hammered in no time but in the news uh in the wwe video game uh tweets flying back and forth between vince mcmahon and and the warrior you know first off it seemed like he's just going to be in the video game but I don't know, we're we're seeing a little more and more of him. Uh, has the olive branch been extended? Are we going to see uh, the Ultimate Warrior back on WWE television? Could it be? I, I don't know, Dave. It's, it's pretty interesting that all of a sudden the Ultimate Warrior <laughs> creeping back into the mix right now. Well, first off, I want to say, after listening to that promo, he must have had the greatest cocaine dealer in the history of cocaine dealers in this world. Because I had never heard any kind of nonsense spit out of anyone's mouth that's been coherent than I've heard from him. But it's very interesting that, you know, last week the announcement was made that he was going to be in the video game and he had made a deal with 2K Sports. And then, as recent as late last week... Vince McMahon put out a tweet kind of welcoming the Warrior back into the WWE universe. The Ultimate Warrior did a video interview with WWE.com, kind of burying the hatchet with Vince. Um, you know, he's he, – I mean, I, I you know it definitely opens the door for a working relationship, I think, in my opinion. Um, you know, a Hall of Fame bid, they could sell a ton of merchandise, T-shirts, tassels, wristbands, face paint kits, you know. Um, little bags of cocaine if you want to be the ultimate warrior too. Just take a couple of sniffs and you know if you could act just like him. Uh, I mean, in all seriousness, though, uh, he's got a fan base. I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a part of his fan base. I don't think he has a Hall of Fame career, but he's got a popularity, and I think his popularity would translate into um, people wanting to see him go into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I think it's quite interesting that you know this all this stuff comes out now. 
And, you know, next year's WrestleMania is in New Orleans, Louisiana, and the Warrior had gotten a, a, a star, a big break in Bill Watts' Mid-South wrestling territory down in, in the Louisiana area. And it just so happens we mentioned this, you know, about a month ago on our show with the speculation of Sting possibly going to the WWE. And, of course, there's talk of him and The Undertaker to WrestleMania. But Sting was also the Warriors tag team partner, and he got his big break in the wrestling industry by tagging up with him as they were the Blade Runners um, down in uh, the Mid-South Territory briefly. Um, so I think the timing and, you know, the, the, the geographically it works. Um, you know, we want to talk about, you know, possible Hall of Fame inductees. We can beat this one to death, but um, I had reported on the Ken Reedy Show Facebook page during WrestleMania weekend that through some through a very reliable source of mine that the WWE had made a deal with the, the the estate of the late Randy Savage to start using his likeness and his character and you know future products and I just saw yesterday on WWE.com they are selling the original purple Macho Man T-shirt with the sunglasses and the silhouette of Randy Savage in the sunglasses. Um, on WWE.com, it's a brand new item. That I think just put, was just put up late last week, maybe you know, maybe early as yesterday, um, which I find very interesting. And I think that also leaves a spot open for um, him to go in the Hall of Fame as well. I look at it like this: you know, you never say never in wrestling, but Triple H managed to get Bruno San Martino, who had cursed Vince McMahon up and down for years to get to go in and be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, whether it was money or if he was a charmer or whatever. I don't know the backstage dealings, but if he can get Bruno to go in, I'm sure he can make plans to get the Warrior to go in and possibly Randy Savage to go in as well. So, uh, you know, if you have Randy Savage, Sting, and the Ultimate Warriors, the top three in your class for 2014 next year, going into WrestleMania 30 weekend, it would be huge. It wouldn't. It would come close to what we just saw this past year at the Garden with uh, with uh, San Martino and Backlund going in. I agree. With that. I mean, it makes you know. It's funny with with the Ultimate Warrior because you know, and and he. I make the analogy with the Ultimate Warrior. His career reminds me a lot of Jose Canseco in baseball, and. You know, and that's why it's like when you start to debate Hall of Fame, and that's that's where I kind of fall with uh, the Ultimate Warrior. You know, look, Jose Canseco, bar none, bar, I don't care what anyone says because he became a shadow of himself pretty quickly, but bar none, there was a chunk of time where Jose Canseco was the best, singular, the best player in Major League Baseball. First guy to go 40 40. He was, he was just tremendous. You know, the ultimate, but, but is Jose Canseco a Hall of Famer? You know, and that's kind of how I look at the ultimate warrior. You know, he, there's no doubt. Look, he was his in ring skill lacking. Absolutely. Uh, did his promos ever make sense? Probably not. Um, was promos entertaining? Absolutely. His promos were very entertaining. Um, but he, he had that, you know, when, when Mike called before and, and would say, you know, in Stone Cold, that when the glass hit, 
you know, the the crowd popped. I mean, you know, as soon as that glass broke, bam, crowd on its feet. You know, the Warrior kind of had that similar effect. Um, you know, his entrance, when his music hit and he started running down to the ring, the crowd popped and popped hard. I, I mean, you know, he was over. Uh, incredibly popular wrestler, but for a small chunk of time. I mean, it's no accident that they they put it on him, that they earmarked Warrior to kind of, you know, take over. The torch was passed from Hogan to Warrior to, to kind of be the next guy, and then it just it just didn't pan out. It didn't work. So for him going into the Hall of Fame, you know, and I don't like to bring it up, but, you know, you, you have to, I guess, when, when you bring up the Coco factor, uh, you know, yeah, then Warrior is a Hall of Famer. But he's, you know, to me, when I when I think about him as, you know, he's, he's a borderline. I'm not outraged about him going in, but I don't look at him as a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Uh, Macho Man is a slam dunk, an absolute slam dunk Hall of Famer. And... You know, looking at it, is his body of work, I mean, not in the WWE, but if, if if the WWE wants their Hall of Fame to have more of a global feel, then, yeah, Sting's a Hall of Famer, too. So um, that Hall of Fame class could really shape up. And, uh, you know, I know, Dave, when we talked earlier about the show, and, and both of us right here, and, and coincidentally, I'm actually sitting here wearing my Macho Man uh, T-shirt. Uh, tremendous talent. Uh, both of us real big Macho Man fans. Um, a guy who, you know, when I look making more analogies, you know, Macho Man to me is is like the the Joe Frazier of wrestling. You know, Joe Frazier was was unlucky enough to be uh, a boxer in his prime in probably one of the greatest eras of heavyweight boxing ever. And if Frazier can, if Frazier was around right now, nobody beats him. Nobody beats Frazier. And I I think that like Macho Man, it was the the worst thing about Macho Man's career is that he broke in in the midst of Hulkamania. But if, if he was if he broke into the business at any other era, uh there's no telling like how many more championships he would have won and how many WrestleManias he would have headlined. Um just tremendous talent and just just him alone. I, I would love to see you know, I want to see him go in, but I just I just want to be there to see Macho Man go in, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I was I mean, I, I I right up there it was neck and neck with him and Hulk Hogan. Even when the Macho Man was a bad guy, there was something appealing about him to me, you know, that, that voice that ooh yeah, you know, it was just and just the way he dressed, he was so ahead of his time and his work, like he was to me he was like an all around, you know, great performer from, you know, his mic skills to his look, to his charisma, to his in-ring skills. I mean, he could, you know, he could mat wrestle with Ricky Steamboat and he could brawl with, you know, you know, XY, you know, Jake the Snake or Andre the Giant. I mean, he was so good at what he did all around. Like, he was like the perfect wrestler to me, you know, and he had this, this, this colorful look about him. And, you know, he he bowed away quietly from the wrestling business in 1999 when he was with WCW, and he you know he he walked away quietly. And from what I've read and from a lot of stories I've heard, he was a very private guy. Um, he invested his money wisely, and he walked away on his own terms. Which you know, as a as a as a as a human being, you know, I'm happy that he got to do that. Um, as a fan, you know, I, I selfishly I would have loved to have seen Randy Savage get the send off that he deserved. 
um, you know, being alive. And that was one of the big things, I mean, about it, that, like, when he passed away, I was, you know, I was really upset. And I want, and the, the one thing I'm thinking was he's got to go in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, not just right away, but, you know, he's got to go in. And he's he, he was deserving of it years prior. I mean, I would have loved to have seen him go in the year that they put Hogan in. But, I mean, Savage does deserve his own class, you know, being at the top of the class in the Hall of Fame. And it's just very sad that, you know, he didn't get that proper send-off, you know, being alive like I feel he should have, because I think it would have been a moment. I mean, when he goes in, because it's a matter of time he will go in. I I truly believe that. When he goes in, it will be a great moment. I would love to be a part of it. You know, it will be one of my wrestling bucket lists, you know, that I got to see, you know, the, 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 the life of Randy Savage inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, even though he's not there. But if he were alive and this moment were happening, it would be bigger than life, obviously. And it would just be so huge. It would rival up there with, like, some of the great inductions like Hulk Hogan or, like, a Steve Austin or, like, you know, a Shawn Michaels that was a few years ago or the Ric Flairs. You know, it would really rival that and be up there with those with those inductions. And it's just sad that, you know, he was he, he left us so soon because I think, I think at his age he could have came back and he could have definitely contributed to the business if he just made one-off appearances on TV as a guest GM or a guest referee or if he just showed up and, and you know, said goodbye to the fans. I mean, I would have loved to have seen it. It would have been uh, – I would have been in full mark-out mode. And to tell you how much of a macho man mark I am, if you go – if any of you are on Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram, at Rosencoaster. There's a picture I have when I was a little child – I took some random clothes, pair of sunglasses, and I a wristband, and I tried to dress up like the Macho Man. That's how big of a mark I was for Randy Savage. He was the ultimate for me. Yeah, just I mean, a tremendous talent and someone who you know. Again, it's it's so tough when when you talk about eras and you talk about guys and you, you get into your your lists of you know best of all time and stuff. But uh, you know, I do think Macho Man's probably bumped up that list uh, pretty significantly, if not in the era of Hulkamania. I mean, just tremendous talent. And what I loved about Macho Man also is that he he was incredibly entertaining. He could do the face or heel thing. Uh, you know, he went back and forth, and he could do either either effectively. Um, you know, and talk, when we're talking about the Ultimate Warrior, I mean, maybe not all of them, but, yeah, there, there were quite a few of Macho Man's uh, promos that maybe didn't make as much sense as uh, he would like. But... They were always entertaining and, uh, you know, very unique, very unique style, the way he would deliver his promos, uh, you know, kind of with that, that, that low voice. Like, he, you know, most promos, he didn't start off shouting. It was that uh, low and then the, the oh, yeahs. And then he's just he was such a talented individual and, uh, you know, really need to see him go into the Hall of Fame. I mean, especially because, you know, and, and we had talked about this, Dave, you know, in taking the WWE's Hall of Fame seriously, for wrestling fans to take it seriously, um, you know, I think there are a few factors. Uh, you know, the one major factor is is getting a, a physical location, um, which we hear is, is in the works. Um, the other thing for fans to legit take it seriously was Bruno Backlund and Macho Man. Those three names before last year all being out of a pro wrestling hall of fame just just really 
it just it lacked credibility. I mean, those three names have to be in. And, you know, you can debate other guys, and then, you know, as other guys retire, obviously, you know, down the road, you know, The Undertaker is a must. He has to be in. But, you know, that's not a glaring omission right now because he's still coming back and wrestling at WrestleMania. Um, you know, those are the three. As far as I'm concerned, those were the three that really kind of, you know, kind of took away the legitimacy of the WWE Hall of Fame. They they got two out of the way. They they this past class they 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 erased those two omissions. So now it really is, you know, you, you got to put Macho Man in, and then you know it's a shame that he won't be here, be there because, man, I would love to just hear that 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 dude's voice one more time cutting a promo as he's getting inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, so it's a shame he won't be there, but uh, you know, someone who really deserves to be in there really is a, a glaring omission right now. And uh, you know, hopefully we'll see it. I mean, hopefully these are all the things that uh, you know, are are coming down the pike, so to speak, right now. Um, you know, as far as the Hall of Fame, uh, you got to figure when when they go into thirty, you know, it. I mean, Dave, you, you got to figure it, it's going to be a, a major class. And I mean, and I'd have to really sit down and think about it. But for WrestleMania 30, is there a bigger name out there to put in the Hall of Fame than Macho Man? I mean, there are wrestling fans that will argue that you know the Ultimate Warrior could be that bigger name, but no, I don't think so. I don't think there's anybody bigger than Randy Savage to be the top of the class of the of next year's Hall of Fame. Um, for the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania. I mean, you know, he's a name that, you know, should have been in a long time ago, but for whatever reason, it's not the case. But being that it's the 30th one, maybe maybe they, you know, maybe the WWE made a deal a long time ago with the family and said, all right, we're going to wait a few years. We'll, 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 we'll do it right for Randy. You know, we'll do, we'll, we'll do this one right. And they do it at WrestleMania 30 that weekend. I'll, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a bold prediction right here and right now. Today's date is July 23rd, 2013. I'm saying it right now. It's 7.22 p.m. Randy Macho Man Savage will go into the WWE Hall of Fame next year during WrestleMania 30 weekend. I'm predicting it. they got to do a big name. I don't think Warrior and Sting are big enough. They're big names. But I don't think they are big enough to headline the class going into WrestleMania 30 weekend. And other names I think that could go in, I think the Freebirds could go in because they had a, a, a pretty good-sized run in the Mid-South Territory down in Louisiana. Jake the Snake Roberts, another name who had a, a pretty good run down in, in uh, Bill Watts' territory early on starting in his career. Magnum T.A., who some people think was the biggest tragedy in wrestling that he never got the, the, the proper main event push that he deserved. I think he'll go into the Hall of Fame, too. And I, I firmly believe that Randy Savage will top that class next year in the Hall of Fame ceremony. I can see it. I mean, you got to think that they, they, they're going to want to give you a big name. I mean, they have to want to give you a big name. I mean, it's 30. You know, and then those three, like, definitely give you a big class. But, you know, Macho, Macho Man going in, I mean, you as far as I'm concerned as a fan, you don't even need Sting and Warrior. Like that—that's where I put Macho Man. I, I think Macho Man is just big enough where uh, he makes that class very special, um, just with his name on the bill. I mean, you add other 
bigger names. I mean, that's that's great. But, you know, Macho Man going in, uh, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind sitting through a two-hour tribute to Macho Man's career, watching a few of his matches, and then having his family accept the induction. I mean, that's, you know... I, it could be a WrestleMania 30 Hall of Fame, you know, Macho Man Love Fest, and I'd, I'd be cool with that. Um, so adding other names would be great, but uh, he's the name that I think uh, all wrestling fans definitely want to see. And there, there we go, Dave. You know, it's it's uh, it's amazing with all the stuff coming out. We're still like we start off and we're kind of in control and we have our outline and everything and. Before you know it, man, we're still we're looking at WrestleMania 30. It's unbelievable the stuff that's coming out. We started again with this, this today's program with with TNA and the issues they're having, and it, it's it's two companies in basically very going in very different directions as far as fans' perception. And you know we have fans that are so excited about what's going on with the WWE that we, we wind up, you know, talking about WrestleMania 30 and, and not just with like the, the on-screen talent we're seeing, but you hear the stuff behind the scenes. You, you see the warrior on the video game commercial, you hear the stuff on Twitter and all of a sudden months and months away. And we're talking about WrestleMania 30 weekend. We're speculating on the hall of fame class. It's just right now for the WWE, it's an exciting time to be a fan. Absolutely, and you know, one more point I'll make about that: if they're going to put Randy Savage in, they got to put him in with Miss Elizabeth together, because that was a package deal right there. Randy without Elizabeth and vice versa, it just it didn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. When Randy Savage was paired up with Sensational Sherry when they did the Macho King and Queen Sherry gimmick, it worked. But there is nothing like the original, like Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, and and you know a lot of people have tried to duplicate that with you know a babyface wrestler with a female ballet, and it just hadn't worked. It was always that was that was a rare occurrence where a wrestler could have a female ballet and be cheered. Um, you know, because most of the time you'd have heels with hot-looking women, but Randy Savage and Elizabeth was a rare exception in the wrestling industry. And if Savage is going in, I think Miss Elizabeth should go right behind him. And with all the problems that TNA is having, I think Hogan should induct Randy Savage, and that would be the ultimate badass right there. The IWC may be all pissed off about it, but this guy over here would definitely shoot his wad if Hulkamania returned at the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania to induct his mega-power brother, the Macho Man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you're talking WrestleMania 30, and for all, all the negativity that might be thrown in his direction for what's going on in, in TNA, I mean, you know, arguably the the most important performer when it comes to WrestleMania is Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, the guy who, you know, he was he was the running back to McMahon's quarterback, you know. He was, Hulk Hogan was the guy who was given the ball, and, uh, you know, had those those early iconic moments at WrestleMania that really put WrestleMania on the map. I mean, could it get any better to have the Hulk Hogan be a part of WrestleMania 30 weekend and as part of uh, what he's doing at WrestleMania 30 weekend is inducting Macho Man Randy Savage into the Hall of Fame? Uh, get, get me bumps. Or you can induct Hogan in with Hall and Nash as the NWO. 
you want to stack this class up for the 30th anniversary, 30 years, and those three guys were an integral part of the competition in WCW and, and, and eventually the WWE turning the corner? Why not Hogan, Hall, and Nash, the NWO, all three of them in the Hall of Fame? I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not opposed to that either. When you start to rank factions all time, I mean, to me, the NWO is right there. Uh, you know, maybe not later on, but uh, they're right there as one of the greatest factions ever. So, uh, yeah, Hogan Hall Nash uh, would not be opposed to seeing that either. Uh, so, hey, 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 if you want to make some roster cuts, why don't you get rid of Hogan so we can so WWE can have it for that weekend? <laughs> you want to trim some fat, you're going to be trimming a lot of fat and saving a lot of money there. Yeah, man, I, jeez. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if like Hogan is is tied. Like if Spike TV is just you know, you're keeping Hogan. Uh, you know, I could see TV people just you know having that name recognition, but who knows? But you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll need some extra capital, and uh, you know, the WWE will just throw some money their way so he can be a part of WrestleMania 30 weekend. I don't even know. Do you have any idea what Hogan's uh, contract status is? I don't know when it's up. Um... But I know that he's had a clause in his contract that you know if, uh, that he could walk away um, at any point in time. But he's at the stage in his life where he needs the money, so he really can't walk away. And you know, Vince isn't calling him. You know, he would be the one calling Vince. So uh, I think he's just staying put because he knows he can get the money that he's getting. From what I understand, it's all speculation. But he makes thirty-five thousand dollars in appearance on television. Every time he every time he appears on TV, so he's making roughly over two million dollars a year just working for TNA. So that's that's good work. You get it. I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not knocking the guy. I mean, Christ, you know, <laughs> you know, he's the biggest politician in wrestling. But guess what? You know, he got he's gotten what he's wanted, but he also contributed to the business too a whole lot. It wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for a guy like him. Let's face it. Oh yeah, agreed. I I do not make thirty five thousand dollars a TV appearance right now. <laughs> we don't even make thirty five dollars for a radio appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everyone for tuning in. God, I, I love the subjects you guys bring up. We'll be back on Sunday at a usual spot, six to eight p.m. Thank you for supporting us. Check out our Facebook website and Twitter for Dave. I'm Ken. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you Sunday. Take care, everybody.